Praise the Lord. Good day to you and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning here on this, what is today? The fourth day of August, 2023. This is going to be part three of our second Peter teaching. So grab your Bibles, your pencil, your paper, get ready in this classroom setting online. And uh, if you can, if you're not working or driving or whatever the case may be, and I'm sure our faithful Lord is going to drop the truth right into our hearts today so that our feet can be found walking in His truth. We have the Holy Spirit so that we can learn the things we've freely been given by our faithful God and also so that we can be led into all truth. And those two things really cannot be separated as we allow Him to guide us into all truth only there is the experiential things of the new covenant uh, going to be found experienced by us. So we're going to see some great things in this uh, second letter of Peter today in chapter 1 in just a moment. But I do want to make a, a reference to the October Determined Camp Meeting. This year will be our 10th year to hold these determined camp meetings. We had no idea that we would still be doing this when we began some 10 years ago and with just a handful, literally a handful of ministers getting together, just so thankful and excited and joyous about the message of the cross, the focus of the Lamb, the return to our first love and the determination not to leave that place by the grace of God. And uh, we had no idea that it would escalate and eventually there would be people coming from all over the United States to these camp meetings because God has lit a fire in the church some 25 to 30 years ago. It is a great revival. The fires of revival are burning. And I'm telling you, no, it's not in some uh, big, massive place. It's in, it's, listen, it's in homes, it's in storefronts, it's in these little small community churches or wherever it might be. But the focus is the Lamb. The Word preached and taught is Christ crucified. And it is, a, it is a grand time when those of this like precious faith can get together and hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God in its righteous context, which means it's always touching that very object that God said He only allows us to boast in, that being the cross of Christ. So these meetings are in October this year, the 5th through the 8th in Palestine, Texas, at Christ Community Church, pastored by Clint and Lindsay Bass. So you want to go ahead and make your hotel reservations and get all that out of the way. The, 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 there are hotels there uh, you can stay in, and uh, the one that we mostly stay in, I heard, was already booked up. So you need to go ahead and start planning to be there. It's only a little over a couple of months away and you, you don't want to miss it. The, the services will not be streamed live. So if you want to be there in the, in the, in the fellowshipping live avenue, you'll have to be there. They'll be shown sometime later. But let me tell you something, and you know it as well as I do, there's, no, there's nothing like being there. You can be blessed, but not like you can 
if you're there. And that's just obvious. We praise God for what he's doing in this great move of God. You see, there's not two or three different types of moves of God. He's either bringing us back to a focus of the Lamb, our first love, back to the, the truth of Calvary, that which put us in the Spirit and we began our journey in the Spirit or it's just us claiming we're in revival and all these things. God, there's only one move of God, and that is the move to Christ. And that means a focus on what he did at Calvary. So I'm thankful for that. And that some would say you're just an elitist and you just think you all these things. But I, I, they said the same thing about Jesus. They said the same thing about John the Baptist. They said the same thing about the Apostle Paul. And they'll say the same thing about anybody who just believes that Jesus is the answer and the, the way that that answer is, is, is made the provision to us is through our deliberate and conscious faith in his death on the cross. And that is what the Bible teaches, and we're sticking with it. We're not moving away from it, praise be to God. So again, you don't want to miss the meetings in Palestine, Texas this year, determined camp meeting October the 5th through the 8th. There will be like 13, 14 speakers there this year and people from everywhere. So you want to come and just, just be a part of this great ongoing revival. See, the good things, the, the good, one of the good things about this great move of God is that it's not just a conference, that we've been in revival. I've been in revival for 18 years now. This coming Saturday, we will have had a local church preaching this message for 18 years. And so that means we've been in revival for 18 years. We've been believing this great truth of Christ crucified and the Holy Spirit gives us every week scriptures to enhance the view of the Lamb of God and what He's done for us, who He is to us because of that. And I'm so thankful for that. So don't delay letting go of everything else and getting involved where the focus is the Lamb in every chapter and every verse. Praise be to God. Let's dig in this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. And I have to tell you, this chapter is, is so rich, is so rich, uh, we're going to be here for a while. I mean, unless we just read it and move through it, we're going to be here for a while because there is so much knowledge, so much truth here that will enhance our view of our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the goal of God is to enhance the view of His Son and what He did for us at Calvary in our hearts. Hallelujah. And we know that's true because the Bible teaches that we're only going to be changed into that image we're being changed into as we're beholding it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Philippians 3.10 says that image is the death of Jesus. So it's a glorious image. And I'm, I'm so glad to finally be learning about what God saw on Calvary's tree. You know, some months ago I asked the Lord, Lord, show me what you saw on Calvary. Show me what you saw taking place on the cross. And, and immediately the Lord began to show me the writings of, of Peter and how in, 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 in the first letter, in the second chapter, how 
It tells there what God saw, a man being reviled who would not revile back, a man who was suffering but would not threaten the people, and, and a man who in, in Philippians 2 tells us was perfectly humble, perfectly obedient unto death. And, and I was thinking this morning, what was it, now this is so powerful, what was it that that caused Jesus to walk in a perfect place of humility, submission, obedience, even unto death. What was it, what was it he was attempting to do through those things? And the Bible there tells us in the first letter of Peter in chapter 2 that he was committing himself to his Father, the one who judges righteously. The one who judges righteously. You see, God's righteous judgment led Jesus every step of the way, Psalms 85, 13, every step of the way, God's righteous judgment led him to his own death on the cross. But it was for you and me because only when he died on the cross did was the the message of declaration uh, I'm sorry the message of righteousness declared from there Romans 3:25 and 26 and the door was opened and he that knew no sin became our sin bearing offering there and there right there on the tree you and I crucified with him by faith in him were made the righteousness of God in him and we need to know these things. That's what God saw on the cross. That is what we're being made conformable to. A perfect humility, a perfect obedience in, 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 unto that image of Jesus Christ, the one who is trusting completely, completely in the one who judges righteous judgment. You see, this is why the Holy Spirit always delivers those who are alive, born again, 2 Corinthians 4.11, to the death of Jesus because there's the place, the only place that faith works. It's the only place that faith works. Faith won't work any other avenue. You say, well, my faith could be over here in this part of God's Word, not if it's not, if it's not tied to redemption. The, the Faith only comes through righteousness. We're going to read it again this morning. Faith only comes through righteousness, not just the first time. If that's the way it was, then the church in Galatia wouldn't have had to receive a rebuke and, and, and have been asked, well, if you started in the Spirit, why are you trying to do everything now in the flesh? Why do you think it's going to work out for you now in the flesh? How do you think you're going to become perfect now in the flesh, if that's not how you began. So faith must always come through righteousness. And well, explain that to me, preacher. Well, the, we, the Bible, every word that God has spoken is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. But that righteousness, Romans 1, 16 and 17 tell us that that righteousness is revealed in the gospel. So all the words of God's mouth that He says we live by and we can if we're seeing them and believing them in the context of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ crucified. 
exclusively. Because though we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, yet that life we find proceeding out of the mouth of God is only found and experienced in the blood of the Lamb. Only in the blood. Life, the life we seek is in the blood. Hallelujah. So we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, but our faith must be in the Lamb because without our faith being in the Lamb, we're really not going to have faith in the Word. You can't. That's why in Exodus 24, uh, Moses read the law and the Israel said, We'll do it. And Mo notice, now Moses in Exodus 24, he didn't say, No, you won't. Notice, Moses' response was he took the blood and dipped it on the law that he read, the Word of God, and the people and the altar and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that I've made concerning, I've made given, I've made for you concerning all these words. You're not, you're not going to have faith in the Word if your faith is not in the blood of Jesus. And that's not some subconscious, well, yeah, I was born again years ago. No, no, no. That's like asking people, are they saved? Yeah, I was baptized over in old church. No, no. This faith that we live by is in here. It's right here. And it's not back here. It's right here. It's not in the subconscious. It's in the deliberate and conscious state. Or it's not happening. You know, we've been seduced by the devil so long. We've been told, I've been told by preachers that sometimes God's got to knock you out. You know, this slain in the spirit mess. God's got to knock you out to be able to work on you. Listen, God does what he does by grace through faith. And there ain't no faith when I'm knocked out. We'll see how easily we're seduced and duped and carried off through other things by just trusting men and not scripture. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but all God's words are in righteousness. And faith, whether it have been the initial faith that came first or faith, now faith, that you're finding to be the substance in your life, it only comes through righteousness. Let's read it today. Simon Peter, 2 Peter 1 and 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say something about this. The righteousness of God is Jesus, who he is, and what he did at Calvary. The great exchange was there. It was there. He took our sin. He became our sin-bearing offering. And we were made the righteousness of God in Him. And we were freed from our sins and we were made servants of that righteousness. Romans chapter 6 verses 17 and 18. Powerful. Watch now. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You can't leave Jesus out. You can't leave Jesus out of anything, and the only way he's involved in anything is our faith in what he did for us at Calvary. It's not saying his name. 
It's, 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 it's none of that. I mean, Hollywood uses the name of Jesus. All sorts of people use the name of Jesus. And Christians even use the name of Jesus, not understanding that his name means Savior. And there's only one place he has saved us, and that was when he bare our sins in himself on Calvary's cross. So the, the, the potential here is for grace and peace to be multiplied uh, to us, but it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And, and let, let me say this, and the reason we went back and read verse 1 again is because it's the same avenue. All these different avenues, it looks like they're avenues, but there's one avenue, and watch the building here of the Holy Spirit as he builds upon these great truths of our experiencing our Jesus. Watch very carefully now. The desire is of the Lord, as he writes through the apostle Peter, that grace and peace will be multiplied to us. But it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And it's through the same knowledge we received in the beginning, though it's enhanced with the Word of God. It's, we don't move away from the cross. Everything we learn enhances our view of the cross of Christ. Come on now, somebody. Every, this is where the church has been seduced and carried off. And, and, and I won't get into what's at the root of it all. But listen, we don't... We don't talk about the cross and then talk about other things, we talk about all we talk about as we view the cross because everything that God has given us in the Word is to enhance our view of who He is and what He's done for us so that He can be the mediator to us in Christ Jesus through His Son to give us all that He died for us to have. Uh, that's not too much to say. That's, that's biblical and scriptural. But w everything the Lord has given us in the Word is to enhance our view of the very one we're being made conformable to. And what He did to bring us into the experience of the conforming process. Did you, did you hear that? Everything, everything in the Word of God is to, is to give us a greater enhancement. It's to enhance the view of our Jesus and what He became for us, who He became for us on the tree, because that's where God has told us to look upon, to behold that image. And if we do, it'll be as if though we're looking in a reflection, in a mirror, and we will find in experience by faith our God doing a great work in our life. That, my friend, is the only place of revival. When the church is looking away at all the fads and schemes and winds of doctrine that only come in through men and and it's just philosophy. It's even things that sound so right and scriptures are tagged along them. But it doesn't point to Calvary. It doesn't enhance our view of Jesus and who He is 
through what He did at Calvary to us, then my friends, it's a focus of us. And that's all there is to it. And they, People will argue all day long concerning these things, but they who do are looking away from Calvary to be able to be found doing it. Everyone throwing rocks at, at, at people like Paul the Apostle who was determined to know nothing other. These people who are throwing rocks today at, a, at a people who are determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, but yet they claim they're followers of what Paul said. They are not. If they're not joining in with those who are determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, who make their only boast in the cross of Christ, then they're really not following what Paul wrote either. They're just, they're just, they're just in a mess. And you'll see that this second letter Peter wrote is very uh, doctrine oriented. It's very sound in, in it keeping us the, the, on, on track, keeping us with the right view and, and giving us the side of what we need to be seeing to avoid what well, he'll get into later in this letter, which is all the false prophets and false teachers, which it seems to be uh, uh, prominent in the Word of God all through it. I'm writing commentary right now in the book of Psalms and until you study it verse by verse and look at it closely, you probably never realized that the psalmist lived a life really basically for the most part of struggling and uh, in his own heart with his own fleshly things and 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 then and then people always wanting to attack him kill him steal the position God had given him just constantly and he's constantly having to cry out to his God through faith in the promise of a redeemer. And the Bible is full of, of just uh, warnings about false prophets, false teachers. And they're easily recognized. If they're not pointing to Calvary, they're pointing you away from it. Now, I know that sounds just straight, but it's, it's always black and white. There's never any room for gray when, when you're dealing with the Word of God and the things of God. It's either right or wrong. It's either we're going marching on or we're falling away. We're, we're either growing or we're... Uh, declining we're 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 it's not one, it's not something in between where we're just idling there is no idling you're either advancing or you're falling away you're either growing and maturing or you're falling away there is no place in there of just being idle in gray area it's black or white it's victory in the experience through faith or it's defeat it's it, it we need to understand these things we need to know these great truths we need to understand that everything Jesus died for us to have is a potential a, the potential is there for us to experience. When the Bible says grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, that means we're going to have to set ourselves apart. <coughs> we're going to have to keep our mind on the Lord and what He did for us at Calvary because that is the knowledge that brought us into this very truth of salvation. And then it also means if grace and peace is going to be multiplied to us, 
we're going to have to learn some things. We're going to have to know some things. There is no multiplied grace and multiplied peace without growing in our knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. And remember, we can do nothing without Jesus. We cannot grow without Him. We cannot pray, worship. We cannot give tithes and offerings. We cannot study. We cannot, Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. He means nothing. He's talking about in John chapter 15, verse 5, where he spoke that. He's talking about fruit bearing. You can have no fruit no spiritual fruit without me. That means everything we are doing without him spiritually, he considers it to be nothing. Nothing. Let me say that again. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And he was speaking of bearing fruit. So he considers everything that we do without him, meaning faith in his sacrifice, he considers to be nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. So we, and, 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 and with him, we were crucified with him. We were joined together with him because we believed with our hearts unto righteousness, Romans 10 and 10. That's right. And there's where what he was doing by faith, by grace through faith, that's what we believed unto. That was the righteousness of God being declared. That's what our hearts believed unto. And we obtained that like precious faith through that righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now our God wants to multiply His grace and peace, but it's only going to be through the knowledge of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it, it's not going to come through any other avenue. And Jesus always has to be involved or there is no fruit bearing. So don't listen for a minute to anybody who says it's okay to teach and preach without touching Jesus. And that means touching what he did at Calvary. If you're not, listen, if your heart's not believing under that righteous work at Calvary, then you're not touching Jesus. And he's not involved in what you're doing. The book of Galatia, uh, Galatians reveal that. Revelation chapter 3, a couple of instances reveal that. If we're, if we're touching Jesus, Jesus, if He's doing anything with us by His Spirit, it's because our hearts are still surrendered and yielded to that form of doctrine that freed us from sin and made us servants of righteousness. Watch this now. Grace and peace be multiplied. Grace is what God does and peace is what we have with God so that God can do what He, do, what he does, what He desires to do in and through us. Verse 3. According all this... This grace and peace multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord is according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. This divine power is Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. That's the power of God. The Bible says the preaching of the cross, the word of the cross, is the power of God. Hallelujah. We know that 
which gives us the power of God in experience is the Spirit of God, but He only works within the perimeters of one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. That's new covenant law. Let me say that again. That's new covenant law. Most Christians run around and say there ain't nothing to do with law. I mean, no, we're not under the law of Moses, but we are now living under the law of the new covenant, which is the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who made us free from the law that we were under, the law of sin and death. Amen. And Hebrews 7, 12 says, Because the priesthood changed, it was necessary that the law had to change. And my friends, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, that eliminated the old Aaronic priesthood and began an began a entirely new and eternal priesthood that Jesus Christ is the great new and eternal priesthood great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And because of that, the law has changed. We're no longer under the law of sin and death, but now we're under the law or we function by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Nevertheless, it's a law. It's new covenant law and God will not deviate from it, which proves that your faith, my faith, has to be deliberately and consciously in Jesus and His sacrifice or we will fall from grace and Christ will not be able to affect us or profit us, Galatians 5, 1 through 4, which confirms what I said earlier. That is the avenue of doing anything with Christ. If Christ is to profit us or affect us based on what He did at Calvary, it will be because our hearts are yielded to that form of doctrine that initially saved us and brought us into the place of serving Him to be able to bear fruit, the place where we're now married unto Jesus so that we can bear fruit, Romans 7, 4. So that is what it means... When Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. What it means also, that we can see that on the other side, that when we are going to do anything with him, it's going to be because our faith is consciously and deliberately in him. That word in means in his death, not just that he exists. In is an entrance place and a location of abiding if we If we abide, that's why Jesus also in John 15 taught, abide in me, stay, remain, continue in me. And we don't automatically always walk in him because we don't always keep our faith deliberately and consciously in his death. Colossians 2 and 6 tells us very plainly, as you have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ, walk ye in him. We wouldn't have to be told we wouldn't have to be told to do something if we just always did it, now would we? So and the church in Galatia had fallen from grace into a place they weren't they didn't lose their souls because of this at that at that point. 
but they fell from grace. And the Bible clearly says to Christians that Christ could no longer affect them or profit them because they'd moved the object of their faith from the sacrifice of Christ to something they were being told they had to do. I mean, it's as silly today as being told by men you need to uh, get re-water baptized. You, you need to do it with a special formula. That when we go and do that, it proves we don't know what it means to trust in Jesus. We prove that we don't really know what it means to trust in Jesus. And we also prove when we get caught up in that, that, that fear of men and that lust of the flesh, which is all it is, the fear of man grips our hearts, and, we, and we, all of a sudden we're unsure that Jesus really paid it all and that all I have to do is really believe in that. And some man will come along and say, yeah, 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 that's true, but no, you need to let that butt alone. That's a man who's digging a pit he's already fallen into and he's just digging it from the bottom, making it deeper so you can fall in it and fit in there with him. Come on, somebody. Glory be to God. We're not falling in these pits dug by men and their philosophy today. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Listen, God has called us unto glory and virtue. This, this, this glory and virtue, is it really means he's called us by his glory and virtue. He's called us unto that glory and virtue. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, As we behold that glorious image. We're changed into that glorious image as we go from glory to glory. That's what we're called to by the Spirit of the Lord. But you got to be beholding it, man. You're not beholding anything in the subconscious of your mind. <laughs> Let me go back to a little of the stupidity I mentioned earlier. For years we were in this, just all this big witchcraft and seduction out there of, of people just being shaken and pushed down in the floor and called slain in the spirit. And uh, uh, it's, not in, it's not in your Bibles, my friend. It's not in your Bibles. And, and men come along and try to bring things into church. It's, it's just not in your Bibles. And when you start dabbling around with things that's not in your Bibles, you, you, start, you start finding yourself in a mess and in and, 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 and big trouble. But these preachers, they, they even told me, sometimes God's got to knock you out. To, to fix some things. But God don't fix some things, my friend, without your faith. Without your faith. Remember, there's no fruit without Jesus. And, and anyway, that couldn't be true because how can we, how can we take every thought captive if, if, if we're knocked out? And, and I know you can bring even more stupidity into that, and people do, to try to just refute the reality that that stuff's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not in New Testament for New Testament believers. And there's so much seduction out there. And, and it's all out there because we were not enduring sound doctrine. What makes the teaching, any teaching, sound? If it's touching that form of doctrine that made you sound when you first believed. Glory be to God. If it's not touching the cross of Christ, 
It's not sound. If it's not touching the cross of Christ as the only answer from God for any issue you've got, it's not sound. And let me say it again this morning. If they're not pointing you to the cross boldly, plainly, and confidently, they're pointing you away in a deceitful manner. Let me say that one more time. It's so powerful. If, if, if we as, as ministers are not pointing people to the cross of Christ, constantly using God's Word, we're, we're in a deceitful and hidden, deceptive manner pointing them away from the cross. Because God's not going to separate anything He's doing from Jesus, meaning through what He did at Calvary. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God rushed in and preached from the platform of what had been done eternally before the foundation of the earth. The world had begun, and that was the Lamb slain. God preached that message. He was the first one to preach it in type and shadow in the Old Covenant. And God prophetically spoke about Jesus all through the Scriptures. Jesus is the one that told us, you're searching for life in the, in the Scriptures, but they're testifying of me. But you won't come to me. If you're not touching Jesus in the Word of God, my friend, the Holy Spirit can't do anything with the Word in your heart. Philosophy would disagree. Philosophy of men would disagree. But the truth of God's Word will not agree with anything that goes away, looks away, points away from the Word in the context of the Lamb slain. It's not going to happen. Amen. Amen. Watch this verse 3 now. Great. Let's start in verse 2 again because this is all tied. It's really all tied together. And it all works. Don't, don't get so mixed up and confused about all the according to's and through this and by this here because it all only works one way and that's the way verse 1 brought it out very clearly. This like faith that we've obtained through the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it only works in the same manner that we obtained it. How do I know that? Because every time I've ever moved the object of my faith from the cross, oh, and I didn't know I was doing it though. Oh, I, I believe in the cross. But I was beginning to trust in the purpose-driven life, the, the purpose-driven this, the, the government of 12, the walk of Emmaus, the promise keeper movements, uh, oh, the, the laughter movement. These things are not in the Bible. They cannot bring faith. Let me say it again. They cannot bring faith. God needs no extra help from men. That's the arm of flesh. God gave His Son's flesh for you and me on Calvary's tree. All those things are what the creepers creep into the church with to get us to look away from the cross. And they don't mind us saying, yeah, Jesus and the cross, but these things are what God uses us to get us more focused on the cross, but they don't. They get us more focused on what we, we are told we need to do. 
If we, I remember buying years ago in the late 90s the Purpose Driven uh, Life book or the Purpose Driven Church and highlighting the things in there that we needed to go do. And we'd even have meetings and let's go do these things. Let's go do these things. And there's nothing wrong with doing, my friend. But back to New Covenant law, the doing is the doing of the Holy Spirit who is God who's working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure and the only work He's working in us is the finished work of Christ, not the works, to all this stuff out here. And besides, we weren't preaching the Word back then in the light of the living Word and what He did as the Lamb of God. We weren't doing that. We actually thought we could do some things. God would honor it and God would grow the church and God would do that. But it had nothing. It didn't have to do with the gospel. And I know what I'm talking about because I, I wasn't preaching the gospel except if I was talking about people lost needing to be saved. After that, we were teaching all the, the, the father-son covering, the tithing up principle, all those things that are really unscriptural for the reason we were trying to use them and they become objects of faith and we fail from grace. I don't care how much we went on and called it grace and living by grace. Nobody's living by grace through faith who's trusting in anything other than the cross of Christ. So when we say the cross and these things, that eliminates us from truly trusting in the cross because what we're telling God with our heart is the cross is not enough. All by itself. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 and 3, when Jesus by Himself had purged us from our sins, then He was able to sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hallelujah. Watch this now. So let me make that comment again before we move on. All the multiply, all the multiplicity of grace and peace through the knowledge of God according as His divine power. It all only works one way. Through that avenue of the knowledge you first received that brought that, that faith to you, you obtained faith through your heart believing unto righteousness. Ain't nothing changed. You move away from that object right there that you started with and you and I, I already have, and you probably have too, will find yourself in Galatians chapter 3. And if you don't understand what Galatians is all about, then you'll make it about something that it's not about. But I was found there. I was found there living in a way that Christ was not profiting me. He was not affecting me because I'd fallen from the only place he could profit and affect me, and that's grace. Remember that. So for grace and peace to be multiplied unto us, we can't never, we can't ever fall away from exclusive faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And it must be talked about. It must be the object of our faith. It's the only thing God says he allows us to boast in, to glory in. Hallelujah, Galatians 6 and 14. So watch this in verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. As a child of God who's been born again, you and I have everything we need right now to live this life 
to experience and express the life of Christ because there is no godliness outside of that. But that does not happen just because I'm saved. That happens because I keep my faith in the object that brought me into this life and godliness. And as long as I'll fight the good fight of faith to keep believing that, and as long as I'll let God get me up and get me out of these places that, that our preachers are literally saying we don't have to focus on the cross all the time, that I got to get up and get out of that or I'm in the same pit they're digging. I'm helping them dig that pit. And there's many right now getting up and getting out and getting away from all these things that have been built by men, all these things that men boast in, all these things that men boast in, and it's not the cross. If you're boasting in anything to do with church and church things, and it's not the cross, that's a sin. That's a sin. God says that He forbids we boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. Any, because, why is that? Because that's the only place we can be beholding and be found changing into that glorious image, going from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. It's the only place that we can be experiencing the divine power and grace and peace being multiplied to us so this divine power can be the experience in our lives of this of these all things that we've already been given at the born-again experience that pertains unto life and godliness because it's all through the knowledge of Him, the one who called us to glory and virtue. And how did we get called to ver glory and virtue? H how were we called there? Well, Jesus said in John 12 and 32, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's not just some mystical and magical uh, uh, movement or draw. That is a call from heaven through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter, uh, what is it, chapter uh, 12 that talks about God speaks from heaven through the blood. Listen. This, this, this call to us to glory and virtue came by way of the death of Jesus, the cross of Christ, this declaration of righteousness being declared. Ephesians 2 and 13 says that we were once far from God, but we've been brought near by the blood. If the blood is what brought us near, it was the message of the gospel, the blood, the death of Jesus on the cross that we were hearing. That was the call unto that glory and that virtue. We were called unto that that glory and that virtue by the one who was declaring his righteousness through his death on the tree of Calvary. Glory be to God. And there you were given everything you'll ever need. There you were made all that you'll ever be. And there it began and there it ended. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Before the foundation of the world in eternity the lamb was slain.
reign. That means for all eternity, everything that will ever be done by God for men, among men, to men, with men, will be because of the Lamb slain. And He will hold the marks on His body eternally to prove that. And ten millions of millions of light years from now, we will still be more increasingly excited and joyous in our rejoicing over the Lamb. Hallelujah. It's time to just move on in right now into a focus of the Lamb and move away. And move away from those things that are causing loss in your life and, 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 and causing you to lose out and on, on what you could be experiencing. When Paul said, I count all those things I've lost as dung, that word lost there means he count all those things as dung that had been robbing him of what he could have been experiencing before but he was learning to be determined to depend upon nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Watch this now. And, and, and I want to say something about this verse. According as His divine power has given unto us all things. And I want to show you something. I'm sure you already know this, but Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, and I mention this quite often here in the ministry, and that is this scripture, chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 12, and the, the, all the beasts and the elders and the angels in heaven are crying out this with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive. Get that now. Just stop right there. He was slain to receive. Everything that God is offering you is through the slain lamb. Not just your eternal place in heaven that you've got secured now if you're born again, but what you need today, what you need moment by moment in your living in in your life so you can live this life in a godly manner. Everything you have need of now, the lamb was slain to receive. Watch this. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. But he was slain to receive this divine power that through faith in Him being slain for us, we can now have this divine power mediating to us all things that we need that pertain unto life. That means Christ who is our life and godliness, the fruit of Christ of us living the life of Christ in us. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But it's through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. The call was from the one who was being glorified and glorifying His Father on the cross and He called you into that glory and virtue. That's your faith in Him there allows you to be crucified with Him because that's where God was offering you a place to be accepted by Him. And when you, unlike Cain, when you, like Abel, accepted His way, He accepted you. The cross is the place of the fullness of what acceptance means spiritually. God offers you 
That one thing that allows you to be accepted by Him. If you receive it, meaning faith in His Son and His Son's death on the cross for you, then He accepts you. But it doesn't just stop at salvation initially. It goes on now. If you want God to accept what, what, what you call your life is by grace through faith, the object of your faith cannot change and it must be a deliberate and a conscious faith in the death of Jesus like it was initially because the only faith that works moment by moment is the same faith that saved. And so it's got to have the same object, meaning the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, it's all so simple if you'll just, if you'll just let the, the scriptures enhance Christ crucified to you. That's the light. That's what makes the path your own brighter. His name is Jesus. But it takes the cross, His cross, His death to make that path experientially brighter for you. You see, it's the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ that has become our light. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 119.105, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But Psalms 37.6 says that He has made our righteousness to be as our light. Well, our righteousness is Jesus Christ. So it's what He did at Calvary that turned the light on and put us on the path that shines brighter step by step as long as we're on that path. Hallelujah. Glory Glory be to God. But we don't have to stay on that path. If you'll remember now, let's get back to that word acceptance. There was a man named Peter, the one who wrote this letter, who found himself in Antioch, who was justified before God and he was righteous before God. He was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But all of a sudden, he moved away from this place of grace and into a boat of dissimulation, which means hypocrisy. Because he he placed a value on certain men greater than his value was on that which Christ died to be able to give him. You understand that? And so that which Peter was doing was not accepted. Peter was accepted by God. And here's what the church really needs to know today. As a born-again child of God, you have believed what it took what has allowed God to accept you into the beloved, but that by no means what we're preaching is accepted, what we're believing now is accepted, what we're doing is accepted. It has to be our works have to be accepted by Him as the works of righteousness that, that are only going to be the result of the righteousness of faith. And it's the faith of the Son of God by which we live, that loved us and gave Himself for us. I hope you're getting some something imparted by the Holy Spirit in your hearts today. If you're watching me and you're just being critical and, and just saying, well, you don't have... Now listen, your heart is not right toward the Lord. Your heart is not right toward the Word. Unless we're learning to see the Word in the light of the one who is the living Word and the one who said the Scriptures are about Him. And we're learning that the only application of God's Word into our hearts is by the blood. The church doesn't know that. They know they were saved by the blood, but they do not understand that there is no impartation of the word that results in 
our carrying the word and us being doers of the word if that word is not dipped in blood. Again, go back to Exodus 24 and shout the high praises of God there for that great revelation. Moses read the law and the people said, we will do it. God knew they couldn't. Moses knew they couldn't. So God gave the answer. He, he, he took the blood, he sprinkled it on the people, on the law, the word of God, and on the altar that represented the cross. Get this now. It doesn't matter how much we read the Bible and say we're going to do it. If we're not seeing it and receiving it in the light of the Lamb, then it is not going to be imparted and we're going to be found seduced and just walking in the philosophies of men. Because if it does, if the Word does not, if the Word of God does not give us a greater view of our Christ and what He did to become our Christ, we're not seeing the Word properly. We're not hearing the word properly. This is why Jesus taught, take heed what you hear and how you hear. Take heed what you hear and how you hear. This, this beautiful process here has been taught throughout the ages, but without the view of Calvary. And if it's without the view of Calvary, if it's without the knowledge that our faith must, even as Christians, remain in the death of Jesus for the Word to be found functioning in and through our lives, for us to be doers of the Word, listen, we got to be hearing it in the right context, which is the context it was written in, that being righteousness. It's such a powerful truth. The church hasn't moved forward in years except for a small segment here and there <coughs> wherever the Lord is able to bring any child of God back to the focus of the Lamb, meaning back to the focus of what He did. And when we are there, it's not a one-service deal. I was in church years ago. The preacher gets up, preached on uh, <coughs> one message, <coughs> on returning to your first love. Well, we all left the church said, thank God we're back to our first love now. No, my friend, we don't take ourselves back there. It takes the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. I can't go back to my first love without Him. That means I've, I've got to be convicted by the Holy Spirit that I've been wrong. And the only way and the only people who are going to be convicted that they've been wrong and that they've taught wrong are the ones who will honestly admit everything in their ministries is not measuring up to the Scriptures in the light of the cross. Many times people will say to me, you know, when they're coming against this place of being determined that the Apostle Paul was and our Jesus was, they, they're negative and they say, well, you, it can't just be just this because, you know, when I was a kid, no, no, no. They're proving their faith was in some experience. Their faith was in some experience. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it must be footsteps having walked in the righteous footsteps of Jesus. That's what Psalms 85, 13 tell us. As righteousness went before Him, has now set us in the way of His footsteps. <clears throat> the only way we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus is if we're walking in the light of the Word 
and the, the light of the word is the righteousness of the word. It's the avenue through which faith came, which we obtained it, and it won't change. That's why the object of our faith must remain the sacrifice of Christ. Preachers today say, well, no, we need to learn more than about the cross. We need to learn about love and faith and patience. And we, that's a true statement. But what most of them mean is we put the cross over there and then we learn, no, my friend, if you're not beholding the Lamb, you're not learning anything that can be imparted and, and allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Because remember, 2 Corinthians 3.18 teaches us it's as we behold that glorious image that we're being changed into that image by the Spirit of the Lord. And Philippians 3.10 tells us clearly what that image is. It's the death we're being made conformable to of Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 4.11 tells us that the Holy Spirit always... That's not talking about Paul. See, philosophy will bring in a thought that's only of men and say, well, that was just about Paul. No, Paul said there, us, us, us who are alive are turned over to death always. Why? So that we can express the life even in these mortal bodies. Hallelujah. So we need to think about these things. These scriptures always need to be enhancing our view of our Savior and what He did to become our Savior because there is where He received everything I need. And our mistake and our deception has been that, yeah, okay, he did that. That's where he received it all. I believe it. But now I, no, there ain't no but now I. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I am crucified with him, yet I live. But the life I, I now live is the life of Christ, Christ in me. And he can only live based on what he received as the slain lamb. So therefore my faith has to remain in who he is and what he did at Calvary. That's the context of all scripture. Not all these different focuses. God gave you focus to see when you believed in the blood. Isn't that what Jesus told Nicodemus? You can't enter the kingdom or even see it till you're born again. And Peter's the one who wrote, and we'll see it in this second letter, that if we forget we were purged from our old sins, that means if we put that over there and then forget that and move on to these other things, we go blind again. You see, the only focus that God gives is to those who are looking to the place focus comes from, and that's the Lamb. Hallelujah. God bless you. It's been a marvelous, marvelous session of truth today. I hope you had your Bibles out highlighting these great truths. And I hope that you have allowed the spirit of truth and grace to convict you, but not just convict, but convince you of what you heard according to the scriptures that He's placed before you. And I know if your heart is humble before the Lord, if your heart is a heart that can be spirit, if you have a spirit-taught heart, He will fill it with truth 
and your expression will be the liberty of that truth. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. So excited again to be here with you this morning. Don't forget, we're here every Monday and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. And I pray for you right now. Many of you are struggling and you're, you're in the valley of decision. You've not yet made your decision. And that's that, I mean, you, you've got to make that decision or you cannot be determined to know nothing else. You'll not be determined to know nothing else if you're still listening to everything else. You'll not be determined to know nothing else if you're still listening to everything else but the Word in the light of Christ and Him crucified. So make your mind up, my friend. Who will it be? The way of men and the modern church and all its psychology? Or will it be the way of the Lord, His righteous way? His holy commandment, the way of the cross. I pray you make that decision today. If you're suffering in your body, <clears throat> in your soul, whatever is hindering you today, I pray in Jesus' name right now that the hands of our Savior reach and touch you and the miracle you've been looking for take place today. I'm asking our Lord on your behalf to drive out that, that infirmity, to remove it from you, to heal you and make you whole in His precious name. And I'm asking the Lord to heal all the other situations that seem to be hindering and seem to be broken. And everywhere that's weak, I pray that His, His strength would be made perfect. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God bless you. I love you. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.